بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه on this blessed evening of Jum'ah as we enter into the second day the night before the second day of the blessed month of Sha'ban we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place blessing for us in this month and to prepare us and cause us to reach the blessed month of Ramadan and this is the month now that we want to water the seeds that we planted in Rajab and we want to cultivate them further and irrigate them and if Rajab was the month of Istighfar and turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking for his forgiveness asking him to pardon us and to overlook all of our sins and that we hope and as we transition to the Sha'ban, the knot of persistent sinning has been untied, and it has been loosened, and that we are now free of that obstacle and inhibition on the spiritual path. Sha'ban is now the month where, we, of course, we continue to seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. We do this in every month, and in every week, and in every day, <clears throat> if we can, and every hour, and if we can, that our state is constantly penitent. But this is the matana where we especially want to send salawat upon our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In other words, one of the greatest ways that we can prepare for Ramadan is through salawat. The more salawat we send upon our Prophet sallallahu alaihi the more that we will resemble the Prophet sallallahu alaihi and come to be like how he was, so that when we enter into Ramadan, that we treat Ramadan similar to the way he treated it. We look at Ramadan similar to the way that he looked at it. We worship in Ramadan similar to the way that he worshipped in it, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And so, this is one of the greatest meanings of cultivation, irrigation, and watering that seed, is that we do it through sending salawat upon Sayyidina Rasulullah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, whom we should all long for, and in reality, even if we're prevented from. Visiting him outwardly, we can always imagine ourselves that we are visiting him. فَإِنْ بَعُدَتْ مَزَارُهَا As if that Medina becomes distant from me, and visiting the Prophet ﷺ is difficult to actually do and to undertake. My imagining the visit of the Prophet ﷺ is the very best of all images. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all to visit Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to be visited by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in our dreams. And may Allah ta'ala prepare us to be able to behold His countenance sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Last week, we mentioned one of the important invocations that we should be putting into practice and doing on a daily basis, not just in times of hardship. And this is saying three times in the morning, in the evening, And we know that our Prophet said, whoever says this three times in the morning, in the evening, nothing will harm him. Nothing will afflict him. And even if it does, it won't harm him in reality. Because harm for us is not really being harmed in an outward sense. Just as good, our definition of khair, according to our scholars, is not just something that we like here in this world. Khair, good, is in reality what benefits us in the afterlife. 
So there could be something distasteful that comes our way. We could get afflicted with the tribulation. Even if we say that dua. But in the end, it won't truly harm us in the next world. And it's likely to be diverted in this world. Khair, good in reality, is that which benefits us in the next world. And this is why our Lord tells us that perhaps that you like something, you incline towards something, something is dear to you, and it is evil for you. And likewise, there are things that we don't like, but they're actually good for us in reality. And this is again from the blessing of belief. And one of the things that we should be cognizant of is in times of prosperity and ease, we should prepare for times of difficulty and hardship so that we're ready. Just as someone, when it comes to that big game, if we use the metaphor of sports or it comes to that race that they're preparing for, if you train, you're ready for that moment. You've developed the muscle memory You've done all of the necessary conditioning. You are ready for that moment. And if we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of ease and we prepare, we'll be ready in these moments. Is that I, because of my relationship with Him, have prepared myself to receive His assistance in all times of difficulty. As Imam Nawi radiallahu anhu says in his famous litany. We should prepare for times of hardship. And so these blessed invocations of the Rasul they're a treasure. And they're a treasure in many ways. And they're of great benefit in many ways. I'm just going to point to one of them and I'm going to mention to you one more invocation. One of the ways that they are a treasure because they are practical ways for us to live Tawheed. Tawheed is belief in divine unity. And every time we say one of these blessed du'as, we're supplicating Allah. In a du'a, mukhar ibadah. Supplicating Allah is the bone marrow. It's the essence of worship. Why? Because we recognize our neediness of Allah. And that feeling of neediness, of brokenness, is the essence of what it means to be a servant of Allah. And that should pervade all different acts of worship that emanate from us. But our Prophet ﷺ has given us these blessed supplications. And every time we say them, it's a means for us to bring Tawheed into our life. It's a means for us to live it. And there is what is called the Ahl Haqiqat al-Tawheed. The people of the reality of Tawheed. This is who we want to be from. The people who, yes, of course, profess Tawheed with their tongue. But they're living their belief. And ideally we want to be living our belief in every single moment. Everything that comes our way from the divine decree, we respond in a way that is pleasing to Allah. And better yet, what is mo- in a way that is most pleasing to Allah. So these invocations and supplications are treasures. Because they help us implement the meanings of Tawheed. To live the meanings of belief in divine unity. And so what you could call the sister supplication of the one that we mentioned last week is the following. And I'll be quoting these two narrations from the collection of Sahih Muslim. That the Prophet ﷺ said, مَن نَزَلَ منزلا. So whoever's traveling, 
and a lights in a particular place. Thumma qala, and then he says, "Auzi bi kalimati la tamati min shalimakhluk." I seek refuge in the complete words of Allah from the evil of what He's created. Lam yadurhu shay. Nothing will harm him. Until that he leaves that place that he has alighted in, that he has stopped to rest in. And then in another narration, Abu Huraira says that a man came to the Prophet and said to him, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Ma laqitum min akraban ladaghatni al-bariha is that I was stung by a scorpion last night. And what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? Is it were you only to have said last night that supplication, it wouldn't have harmed you. Our Prophet Sallallahu is giving us a very practical way. What a blessing. How long does it take to say that? Four or five seconds times three, fifteen seconds. How long does it say to take to say Bismillah? Five or six seconds. So a total of about thirty-five seconds, we can be protected according to the words of Rasulullah from all evil, from all harm. And one of the imams of this religion, Habib Aydurus bin Abu Habshi. He said something very beneficial about these two supplications in particular. If that you're unable to say your other litanies to do the other litanies that you normally do, these two will suffice you for all of your other litanies if you're unable to say them. So these are two supplications, invocations that we simply can't leave. Every believer, young, middle-aged and old, men and women alike should all be saying this. Get in the habit. In the morning, in the evening, three times each. And then you will be protected by the guarantee of our Prophet So if we just take a couple minutes to look at what our Prophet is saying and teaching us to say. This is a way of isti'adha, seeking refuge. And so we're seeking refuge in what? The kalimat of Allah that are tamah. And the scholars point to a number of different meanings that this could mean. Some say this refers to the Qur'an, according to Imam Nawi. So it's as if that you're seeking refuge in the Qur'an, which is the eternal speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Others say that it refers to the complete words of Allah, and it's pointing to the fact that there is no deficiency in them, nor are they blemished in any way. Others say that it's pointing to the benefit of calling upon Allah and seeking refuge in His complete words, which is that they're nafia and shafia, is that they will benefit you and they will heal you. So the kalimat Allah that are tamma, there's a healing in them. And when you seek refuge in them, you're protected. Harm is ordered off of you and you're healed. And we know that the Qur'an is a healing, of course. It's one of the names of the Qur'an, as-shifa. وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ and we reveal this Qur'an in a way that it is a healing and a mercy to the believers. So we're seeking refuge 
in the complete words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, min sharri ma khalaq, for the evil of that which he's created. And we know we believe in the divine decree, the evil of it and the good of it, the bitter of it and the sweet of it. And we recognize is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created everything. He is the Lord of everything. Everything is under his control, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should never forget that. And he allows things like this to happen in the world for divine wisdom. And if we trust in our Lord and submit and do what it is that he requires of us in times of difficulty and hardship and calamity, he will open up for us to understand at the depth of our being what some of those wisdoms are. And this is why Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib is quoted to have said, were the veil to have been lifted from me, I wouldn't have increased in certainty. In another narration, I would have only chosen the way things are. In other words, when you start to see things from the standpoint of reality, you have understanding. You understand the wisdoms and why certain things are happening. And were we to truly understand... Now, we have to submit regardless. That's part of the test. And that's why that belief is such a great virtue. This is why that when Allah Ta'ala says that the Qur'an is hudun in mataqeen, what is the first trait of the believer? الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ They are those who believe in the unseen. That is a station. To believe. To believe in the unseen is a station. It's something Allah gives you. And there are ways that we establish our belief in the unseen in particular, our belief in the truthfulness of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so, that when we seek refuge in Allah from His complete words, He will suffice us and protect us from all evil that He has created, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the divine wisdom, whatever the divine wisdom may be in relation to that particular evil. And then that when we go through tribulation, one of the greatest fruits and wisdoms of experiencing tribulation is that you become mature. You become, in particular, spiritually mature. And as we spiritually mature, we will naturally start to have an aversion towards the things of this world. We will naturally start to incline towards the next world. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start to uproot our connection to this world, which as our Prophet said in the hadith narrated by Al-Bayhaqi, حُبِّ الدُّنْيَا رَأْسُ The love of this world is the fountainhead of all sin, of all wrong. Everything that you can possibly imagine by way of sin only stems from our love of this world. And one of the greatest fruits of tribulation is the spiritual maturity that you and I are blessed with that translates in a heart that longs for the afterlife in the meeting of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we were truly wise, we would think very carefully that you and I one day, we're going to be one of those people that people are following the janazah, that they're putting our body into the earth after washing it. And then people are going to then be making dua for us, inshallah, and visiting our graves, inshallah. But how many people do you see now around you? How many people do we know? One of the people that passed recently, our dear 
We love our brother Sidi Fuad Nahdi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. May Allah Ta'ala have mercy upon his soul and to expand his grave and to bless him with the greatest of what he gives the elect of his servants who are close to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to reunite him with his blessed teachers and with the salaf al-salah, <coughs> inshallah, forgive all of his sins and accept all of his good deeds. This is someone that we used to know. This is someone that we've spent time with. And when you used to know someone, it's not the same. It affects you more. Because you realize, subhanAllah, even if you have a few more years, even if you have a little bit more time, all of us are going to be in that position. Every single one of us. And when you have those moments where you're aware of death, you start to question, what have I been doing with my life? What am I doing with my time? And then you start to really think about your approach to life. And you say like, do I even really believe? Of course we believe in Allah. And of course we believe in the Prophet in the afterlife. But it's like, if I truly believed, I would be doing things differently. I would be taking my life more seriously. I would be getting provision for this travel that is ahead of every single last one of us. And we have to keep trying. And we have to keep traveling spiritually with broken bones, paralyzed, not having the provision that we need, not always being in the ideal situation. And I'm going to end on this point. I was that listening to something, I took a meaning from it. And this professional athlete was talking about how when he was practicing, the times that it was most important that he felt during his workouts were the times where he really didn't want to work out. And the meaning that just clicked for me was the times where your heart's really not present, the times where you're really tired, the times where you find it difficult to worship in some way, to pray or to concentrate in reading the Quran or your orad or whatever it is that you're doing. Don't wait for a sunny day and things to be easy in the ideal circumstance to set out to Allah in your heart. In those moments when you're aware of that, strive. Force yourself to be present. Exert yourself in that moment. And then there'll be another moment like it. If you keep procrastinating until you wait for the perfect opportunity, it might not ever come. But if you strive in those moments where it's difficult and you put energy in, Allah will open up the door for you to experience those moments of purity. Where you can have that a special moment where you make a special du'a, where you feel something very powerful internally or you experience the fruit of your faith. This is what we all want to do and experience. We want to experience the sweetness of Iman. This is something Allah gifts the believers. And inshallah, may Allah ta'ala bless us all to taste the sweetness of Iman. Mm-hmm. And may we become <clears throat> true believers that believe deeply with absolute sincerity. And may we come to experience the realities of belief in the divine unity and be raised in its ranks every day of our life. And may the very best day of all be the day that we meet our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala after long lives in his obedience. Mm-hmm. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa 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 alayhi wa sallam.